I'm Kat Chaos. And I'm Liz Gomez, also known as Hazy. And you're listening to Scary Scary Encounters Encounters with Hazy Chaos, a podcast where we talk to some of our favorite bands and artists as they share scary encounters they've experienced and live to tell. Gotcha. This is Susie Moon from Turbulent Hearts and LA Machina. You're listening to Scary Encounters with Hazy Chaos. Hello. Susie. Cat. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Liz is here with us. I'm good. How are you, Liz? I'm doing all right. Long time no see. Awesome. I know. Long time for a lot of things. Yeah, right. Right. How are you holding up during all this? I'm doing good. You know, just because I was thinking about it today, actually. I, I'm really like a homebody and I, I stick to myself a lot and, you know, I mostly only go out to shows when, you know, it's like really like a homie's playing or if it's something like for one of my own projects. And I was like, fuck, I'm not really doing anything different than I would be doing, which is just kind of like sticking in my bubble and keeping myself busy and shit. Yeah, for sure. But, um, but I do miss playing live, you know, like that's, that's the hardest, and I'm sure you miss playing live, you Dude, know? we miss you playing live. <laughs> Seriously. And I miss you missing me, missing play, playing live. <laughs> How's, um, but Ali Machine is still up to a lot of things nowadays. Oh, yeah, we have so much going on. It's it's crazy. We were really able to make this downtime work for us. Um, we were supposed to be touring Europe this summer, but since since all that stuff got canceled we're like shit what are we going to do with our time right so we were really able to spend like real time in the studio making our full-length record instead of like trying to we were going to do that anyway but we were going to like fit it in in between touring and in between everything else you know so it's kind of like a blessing besides having that time to really focus on the songs and songwriting and just getting together all the time and rehearsing, rehearsing and like making the songs as good as they could be. So by the time we went in the studio, it was like, there's part of us. Wow. So, um, you said you were in New York right now, right? Did you guys record before heading out there? Do you fly out for recordings or like, you know, studio time? How do you guys go about that? Oh yeah. So we, we already finished recording. We recorded July and August. Um, my boyfriend's family is from, I'm actually outside of DC. So we're visiting with his family right now. Yeah. So it's actually, you know, I, I'm born and raised in LA, you know, and, um, I, I'm, I, I love the East coast, but, um, you know, I, it breaks my heart, like just seeing like the fires and everything and, you know, just, Every, just, just so much, it's been such a fucking shitty fucking weird year you know so I am grateful to be someplace that's like green and 
chill. And I'm just going, um, there's like a cool river over here. And I've been like running and exploring and doing little hikes and stuff. So it's just, you know, it's a vacation of sorts after what was a really, really crazy summer because um, we we did the Alley Machina record. took us a while to, to do that over a few weekends. And then we shot three music videos as well. Wow. Um, did a photo shoot. And then I recorded my solo album at the end of August, literally right before my boyfriend and I came out here for our trip. So it was just like, it was a bonkers summer for me. I, and I saw these people saying like, man, I'm bored and I'm not, there's nothing going on. I'm like, I'm exhausted beyond all reason. Like it was a fucking, it was just as on as like any other summer. Damn. Do you guys have a release date, LA Machina, for that album? Well, not exactly. We have like a tentative kind of like month. We're going to go for May, but um, something that I can't say yet has changed that slightly. Um, but we are, we're talking to a handful of different labels, which is a really good problem to have as a band, is to have different labels interested in you. So we're actually, um, we're in the process of, you know, having these conversations with these different labels and getting a feel for what people want um, to do for us and can offer us and, you know, what, what's going to be, you know, the next step, what's going to feel like a family to us and really help us grow. So it's a really exciting time. Um, yeah, this last week has been a lot of phone calls, a lot of Zoom meetings and just planning for what 2021 is going to look like. No, yeah, um, I can't wait, or, well, we can't wait to hear more of what you guys have in store for us, man. Like, I know the three of you guys are super talented ladies and, uh, you know, just fucking badass. Dude, when you guys dropped and you guys started a band, I was like, oh, my God, the three of of you are (laughs) fucking amazing. We've seen each of you perform with different bands, of course, and we were like, dude, they're going to fucking blow up, and within months or weeks you guys fucking took off it was crazy it was expected for sure but that was crazy a lot a lot happened super fast yeah well you know thank you guys so much that that really means a lot it's really cool to hear um like you said you've seen me and ricky michelle all play in different projects and you know even though it seems like things happen quickly for ellie machina that's because the three of us have been busting our asses for five ten fifteen years each independently to get to a point where at this moment when we came together we could share resources share our contacts and then share that vision to really you know hit the ground running and um you know as much as i love playing all the little dive bars around la for um free drink tickets you know that's not how i'm gonna be able to live the rest of my life and we're, we're all career musicians and we're never going to stop playing. So it just felt like this was a good time to like, you know, really, um, really do this smartly and make calculated decisions and, you know, put together a product that right off the bat um, looked and sounded professional because it's, it's a representation of what we are. You know, we wanted people to take it seriously um, because we are fucking taking it seriously. So it's really cool to see how many people are excited about it with us. Like we have just the coolest people in our lives helping us. Like we have this great team that helps with our music videos. 
we have an awesome um, photography team called Psycho Boys that we're gonna we're gonna be shooting our album cover in November, as well as a music video um, for one of the new songs off the new album. And like that's the thing, we, our work ethic is just fucking unreal. <laughs> and I'm like this anyway, but it's really cool to be with other people in a project who are also pushing really hard because for a long time, just doing short and hearts on my own, you know, um, just gets a little lonely being the only person who cares as much. So it's really awesome to be in a project where the collaboration and everybody's like in it a hundred percent. And I think that kind of like energy, um, kinetic energy, you know, just it, it fucking, it did something. There's, there's some kind of lightning sort of magic and a lightning, magical lightning in a bottle kind of situation <laughs> yeah, that is going on there. So I'm super grateful for it. Yeah, it's it's such a great feeling to have people you can really vibe with, especially when you guys have a common goal and someone that you can really rely on. It's your, your team and, mm-hmm. you know, everything mm-hmm. you guys have learned throughout your musical career, you know, led up to this moment. And you did mention earlier that it did take time for you guys to get to where you are right now. So when you dropped your new project, you know, it just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah, it makes a huge difference when you do shit with people who have the same drive and same passion as it for it that you have, you know what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. a whole different just a whole different vibe for it. And I'm really happy for you because you deserve it, dude. You're a fucking cr- ridiculous, <laughs> crazy, awesome musician. You fucking played when the Turbs, the Turbs, I call you guys the Turbs. You, you, you've, tur- seen, you've seen me play some Gnarly shows. <laughs> yeah, dude, Turbulent Hearts, that fucking Tunes and Booze. When fucking yeah, dude. your drummer was late and the show must go on and you fucking played without a drummer and you put on a crazy show, got on top of the pool table, fucking, you were like so yeah. energetic, you were like, fuck it, I don't need a drummer, like, let me just do my thing and we let you do your thing and you fucking brought it, that was crazy. Uh, yeah. Dude, I remember yeah. that, I remember the show where we went to, was it Long Beach, um, they played with Go Betty Go, I think. Um, fuck what the slide was bar. it at the slide bar yes in Fullerton yeah yeah, yeah. oh my god oh, oh and oh. I love so let it go oh my goodness like I'll never forget that moment <laughs> when you climbed in like up the rails and <laughs> <laughs> sang like a vampire <laughs> I think you were totally that was, that was my Nosferatu moment that was so fucking cool I was like I, was like, I want to be her <laughs> yeah right I was like there she goes there she goes and there you went and you fucking killed it that was crazy but anyways you Thanks, Going back guys. to what I said, you <laughs> fucking deserve to be in a band where they appreciate your your dedication. Um, I'm sure Ricky and Michelle they do they deserve it as well, and I'm just happy you all oh, yeah. found totally. each other. You, I'm really happy. Yeah. We're really happy for you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, you know, and it, it forces you to get better. You know, like I'm I'm playing bass now. I didn't like I didn't take bass seriously before this. Like I kind of like fuck around on it every once in a while but I wasn't like ever writing as a bass player or thinking of myself as one third of a unit you know I've been like you know the leader of my pack for so long so I fucking uh, checked my ego I checked it way back last October you know because this is a band of three fucking rock stars you know and like balancing that you know it's really powerful energy but you gotta balance it the right way and um I'm just grateful. It's been super cool. Yeah, it, it sounds pretty cool. And um, so, so for some people, 
that start off playing guitar, I've heard them say that, man, when I get on bass, I just like flow so much easier or like just get lost in playing bass because you're so good at guitar. So did you ever feel that kind of transition from going from guitar to bass? The comfort? Yeah. You know, like a little, a little yes and a little no. Like there's definitely something about bass. And when I started playing it seriously, just even playing it unplugged and like holding the bass up to your chest while you're strumming and like you kind of feel it, you know, it resonates because it's just deeper that way. Like that, that feeling like, like moved me. And I was like, fuck, oh, I love the feel of this. I love the sound of this. But I play bass like a guitar player. And I play guitar like a self-taught guitar player, which is just my own way, you know? And um, it's not very super technical. I've never been passionate or inspired to, like, really be great at my craft. Because what I consider my craft to truly be is songwriting and performing. And my instruments are tools that allow me to get my songs out and to get me on stage where I belong. And I'm just, I'm just not one of those guitar player chicks. Like I just, I love people who are just like all about their instrument and take it super seriously. Like I don't have that in me. It just, it's boring. I don't have the patience for it. It's just boring. I just want to know what chords are in my head so I can make the song, you know, and then keep it fucking simple. And my motto for myself in life is just keep it simple, stupid. So like, I just want to get on stage, you know, and <clears throat> do what I have to do, but I'm not, you know, trying to do theory stuff or learn crazy melodies and, you know, just whatever I need to do to get on stage and get the song and the, the point across. Um, but I will say this. What? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I will say this, playing bass and singing at the same time, now that is a fucking challenge. That's different. <laughs> Dude, playing an instrument and singing, any instrument and singing is a challenge, I think, honestly. And I think a, sure. lot of, a lot of self-taught guitarists right now that are listening to this, you're making them feel so much better right now with what you're saying because I'm self-taught and you're making mm-hmm. me feel like, oh, my God, she's right, dude. Like, because I, I, like I, I was a teenager. I taught myself. I would, I just played by ear. I listened, I learned by ear. And, yeah. and growing up, and then I got, I became an adult and I was like, fuck, I should have taken those lessons that were offered to me. I should have learned solos. Mm-hmm. I should have done this. Like, I'm not a good guitarist. And then now, right nah. at this very moment, listening to you say that and just seeing who you are and you're, I'm, I'm a huge fan, obviously. It makes, oh, me, it makes me feel so much better, dude. So much better. And yeah, I, dude, don't, don't trip on that shit. I mean, there are, that's, it's like anything else. Like, there are people who, that's their thing. That's what makes them want to play guitar is figuring out all those little things and being technically good. That's a certain type of guitar player. There are all different types of fucking guitar, you know, and, and, um, and I admire that because it takes a, a willpower and I guess just a passion for it. That I, I wasn't built with, you know, but that doesn't mean that my way or their way is better or worse. You know, it's just, it's just how we express ourselves. And I, I don't, I don't know any musicians, any of my musician buddies who are ever sitting around critiquing or comparing themselves to how their friends play. You know, it's like when it comes down to it and we're at the show, it's like it's an energy thing and a feeling thing. And, you know, everyone just wants to have fun. And how you do it is what makes it special. So if you haven't taken those lessons or learned all those solos, you might be doing it somebody else's way. 
you know, but at least you're doing it your way. And if there's something you want to learn and it's really important to you and you learn it and it feels good to you, that's all that fucking matters. But it's definitely not something that you have to do. True. Damn. Deep. So deep. You're making me feel some type of way right now. (laughs) I drink a lot of tea today. I'm feeling like a punk rock yogi over here. Dude, you fucking are. It's crazy. Wait, before we get into Come sip the tea with me. (laughs) Before we get into the scary stuff, you said you have a Mm -hmm. a solo, some solo stuff coming out? Hell yeah. Fucking A. What kind of, don't give too much away because I'm sure it's a surprise, but what kind of vibe are we in for? What can you tell us? Dude. It's just me, but, like, fucking, really fucking good. It's just, I don't know. Um, I'm so proud of it, you guys. I'm really, really excited. Um, I've, I've had, I mean, I've been writing since I was 12, and um, it's always about the song first for me. And something kind of happened with Turbulent Hearts, but you're a little out of my control, which is that, you know, the crazy girl thing got a little bit farther away from me and people started expecting to see that person every single fucking time I went on stage. And if people really knew what it is I listen to and what I'm inspired by, you know, my, my greatest fucking inspirations are like Tom Petty for songwriting and Otis Redding for songwriting and performing and, you know, I, there are, you know, obviously punk rockers like the Vaders and the Dead Boys that, and Iggy, you know, God fucking always Iggy, you know, but I, I am a songwriter and, um, Turbulent Hearts was a project that led a lot of my, you know, mid twenties fucking, you know, when you're just like kind of still figuring it out, figuring out who you are, but it's like, you're right on the cusp of it. And there's all this fucking energy you're like. You know, and to push myself to my limits and see what it was I could do for the hell of it, you know, but really long term, that shit, my poor fucking knees, okay, and and my little body has been through so much, and, you know, I feel like I don't want people to show up to my show and just expect me rolling around on the floor in broken glass. You know, I don't want anyone to ever fucking know what they're going to get when they show up to my show. And that that meant that I needed to step away from just the the intensity of what Turbulent Hearts became um, to just give myself an opportunity to put some of my... And they're not even... I can't say softer because it's not softer. I mean... The, the line is so thin because Turbulent Hearts is just me anyway. But, um, you know, I feel like by calling it Susie Moon and giving it a new, a new image and a fresh, clean slate, I can go back out there in an evolved way because I am so far evolved from the girl who wrote Crazy Girl. That was, that was like almost five years ago. Like, I don't even feel crazy anymore. You know, I feel mellow as fuck. You know, um, I'm 31 now. I'm fucking just in a different place completely. And so what this record is, it's just, you know, it's another batch of really great punk rock and roll songs. But there's a little bit more, there are some songs where you're going to hear a little bit more of like my Motown influence or um, 
And not to say that it's a Motown record at all. It won't sound like that. This is Susan Moon's version of Motown, which still is punk rock. Um, you know, but, um, you know, somebody said one of the songs kind of reminds them of Best Coast, you know, and I don't even know who that is, but apparently that's something. And it's like a little bit different than what Turbulent Hearts might be considered. But it's still totally punk rock. It's, it's not like some slow, old acoustic thing but it, it is an evolution of me as a person and it's getting a fresh fucking coat of paint and I'm coming out as the grown ass woman that I am who is in a completely different place from the last batch of songs that I released and um, I kind of just decided to take back you know back the, the front woman thing and just go Susie Moon because really that's what Turbulent Heart is anyway um, but when you have a band and you have a band name, people expect all of those band members to be there. And I've been really lucky to make friends all over the fucking world who are great musicians. So I'm kind of opening myself up to to have this revolving sort of band where like whoever's available and whoever wants to fucking play, that's the band, you know, without having to be like, oh, this lineup is different than that time you know, gives me a lot more freedom, but also gives me the credit that I deserve for doing all the fucking work anyway. Makes so much sense, dude. So much sense. And you know what? The whole evolution of Susie, you know, like, dude. Yeah, a bunch of artists usually go through that that same process. They, you know, Mm -hmm. they're, they're feeling a certain type of way, like, you know, like you said, five years ago, and then you evolve into a new person that i mean technically it's still you though you still have that side of you it's just a new side that you're showing everybody that i'm sure everyone's gonna fucking love you know you know what the dopest (laughs) thing about this is though like five years ago okay crazy girl you know before that Mm -hmm. susie home record is what you were called right that's what they used to call you way back way when back I was like in the day 18 you know? exactly. <laughs> my sister gave me that name by the way oh my and i gosh. fucking hated it and i told her <laughs> no i don't want that name okay but this is my big sister right yeah, yeah. and she fucking puts it on the record and puts it on the website oh <laughs> I was my like, god okay i guess that's my name now <laughs> like, quick story it was funny you got brought up in a conversation with an old friend the other day and he was oh, like, oh, cool. yeah, Susie Homewrecker. I go, no, no, no. It's Susie Moon. She's not Susie Homewrecker. And he, he's Thank all, you. he's all, no, I know, I know. But, you know, that's what people know. It's Susie Moon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my God. Get it right. Get it tight. Get it right. Don't be calling her shit. That's that so doesn't. funny. But I I do have some friends from back in that day who were like, they still call me that just to fucking punk me. Yeah. You know? I actually didn't. <laughs> so know I don't that. mind it. It's I funny. didn't know you didn't like it. I was just having your back because sometimes when we Thank evolve, you. we need people to have our backs and just you know let us let people know who they are today, not who they were when they were yeah. eighteen. Not, none of us are the totally. same. Well, most of us aren't the same when from when we were 18 thank god right you know but um but super excited to see your your new or hear your new project and just witness the ev- evolution of Susie. you know what i mean so congratulations thank, thank that's you and dope and i think it's really cool that you took that risk because a lot of people think like okay everybody knows me as you know crazy girl or whoever wrote mm-hmm. crazy girl i need to keep that up i need to you know fake the funk to keep that reputation but you're like no nah, fuck that crazy girl's gone and this is Susie. yeah you're taking that risk and i think it's really brave and you know kudos to you that's really dope thank you yeah you know it, it is scary and i've gotten 
you know, a few friends on the, the inside of the music industry have been like, you know, it's Suzy Moon anyway. And push and for years I was like, No, no. <laughs> it must be a band. I didn't have the confidence, honestly, to step forward and really claim what is mine and just step out there and just like really put it all out there. Like, you know, I don't know what people think as far as like Turbulent Hearts songwriting goes, but like this is like for real, this is me. I'm ready to fucking share it with everybody and take all the, the credit, the hate or whatever else might come with it. You know? Yeah, fuck it. You're gonna get it all, but it's all it's a part of it. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> So uh since this is your solo record, um, are you composing the drums and like, you know, pretty much every other instrument on the track as well or the album? Well, I have a really cool group of guys that I've worked with on this record. Um, it's actually, um, you guys um, would know him because he has played with Turbulent Hearts. It's Justin McGrath. Oh, yes. Who played with me, who did not play with me at Tunes and Boons. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Uh, Justin, Justin's like family to me. He, um, he literally is married to my best friend and they're having a child and they met at a Turbulent Heart show when he filled in on drums for me like six years ago. And that's when he met my best friend and years later they're married and having a child. And it's literally like punk art dreams come true. Mm -hmm. Just that all of your favorite people are, you know, love each other and close to each other. Um, so Justin is fucking family to me. And we didn't get to do a lot of stuff on stage um, together through Trigger and Heart, but I love his drumming style, and I trust him, you know, and we're, we collaborate very well together. Um, I always have ideas for how drums should go, a general, you know, kind of idea, like, you know, it's going to be like, well, whatever. It, we figure it out usually at the practice, I figure it in my head and then I'll tell them, but also I'm not like, I, I can't control people. And I don't know that what I'm doing is a hundred percent the thing it should be. Like, I think that's why you work with people that you admire because you want them to bring their flavor to the table, you know? So I'll give like a general guideline for like what it is I'm hearing and how this should go. And then, you know, if there's a stop here or a stop there, or like a build there, um, you know, and we kind of work it that way, but absolutely. I want the people that I'm playing with to feel like it's their song too. You know, they're putting a piece of themselves into it. Otherwise they're just like fucking robots, you know, and that that's, there's no soul to the song when you do stuff like that. So it's cool. It's definitely, definitely collaborative in that way. And then, Oh, I'm just the luckiest girl in the world. Cause my super sexy, awesome boyfriend, um, played bass on my record and it was so fun to be in the studio together. <laughs> um, and he just fucking ruled. Um, and Drew, um, Drew and I met at Punk Rock Bowling last year, 2019. Um, both of our bands played the same stage. He's from a band called The Split Seconds from Washington, D.C. And he moved out to L.A. to be with me. And we just been super happy and make music together. And when it came time to do this record, like I absolutely wanted him to be on it because he's an incredible musician. Now, he's one of those people who likes to be a good musician. I don't know why, but he just fucking play guitar for hours. And like he cares about it. And he wants to go home and play guitar. Like I never want to go home and play guitar. Like I'll do it. 
but it's like like it's not like a thing like I have to do it's like I have to write songs because songs come to me but I don't want to like just like noodle on the guitar you know but he's not even fucking noodling he's learning like hella fucking difficult shit I mean he's just like a brilliant musician so um it was really fun to you know basically tell him what I wanted and then let him also do his thing you know on bass and um, he's helping out with backing uh, like other guitar stuff too because I've got my amp, my guitar, my sound to like round out the sound. You know, I want another layer of another sound guitar with another amp and a different vibe to it to just make it sound like it is a full band. You know, um, so it's it's been really cool, and he just gives me so much support and great feedback. And also lets me do my thing and never fucking gets in my way and like knows that it's my show and it's my my record and my I've never been in a relationship like that where I've been given so much support and like encouragement to be a fucking boss and <laughs> like hmm. not like have somebody be jealous or competitive. Like he's just fucking epic. So yeah, it's like a dream come true. You know, make a record with my honey. Sounds like a super healthy relationship, and I'm super happy for you. That's a, you know, couple goals right Thank there, you. dude. I remember, yeah, we were, we were actually speaking about a year ago when you met him. You barely met him, and you, mm-hmm. we were chatting on Instagram, I think, and you mentioned that you met this really sexy guy and this and that, and I was like, <laughs> dude, fuck yeah, like congratulations. I hope it works out, and look at you today. That's super cool. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, he's cute. So we, guys- we eat a lot of pizza. Oh, and um, <laughs> if you ever need some backup musicians, Kat and I volunteer. Oh, <laughs> once this pandemic. Oh, over. fun, dude! How? Yeah. How cool is that? That like we could do that, you know? And like it doesn't have to be like official band thing. It's like it could be like open to like who the fuck wants to play. Yeah, you know, super fun, dude. And if not, that freedom. I mean, hopefully, the Rukas can play a show with you guys. You know, it'll be I different. Know. There's so many. God, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys know Bad Cop, Bad Cop, right? Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay, so um, the producer for my solo record is my homie, Davey Warsaw, and he produced the first two Bad Cop records. Oh, wow. Nice. And, yeah, and um, Davey used to work for, for Hurley Recordings for a long time, and he's also in a band called Sharp Shock. And uh, Davey and I go way the fuck back to, like, 2006. Uh, when his old, old band, Beat Union, toured with my band, Civet. Mm-hmm. And we've been friends ever since. And it's really cool, you know, like like you said, Kat, people who are like, still remember me as like Susie Homewrecker, you know, <laughs> Davey would be one of those people. <laughs> and it's just, it's funny because there are, there's a handful of people in our scene who I've known for a really long time. And it's been so cool to to watch each other grow, you know, and to evolve and like, but still be in it because we're lifers. Like we're never going to let this go. And Davey and I have been talking about making a record for years. And, um, this summer is finally the time to do it. We still have a couple, couple days of recording to go. Uh, he's got other projects going on and I had to book more time. So like we're going to finish it up in November, but it'll be out sometime in, um, 2021, probably like early spring or something. And, you know, I just feel really lucky to get to work with Justin and Drew and Davey and just have these, like, really awesome people around me who 
and you guys, I mean, just the support and like the love, like that's like what we fucking do this for. Really, at the end of the day, we just want to like have our fucking rock and roll homies and like make great art together. Yeah, dude, and you deserve it all. You really do. You're really fucking cool. I remember the day I met you. I was like, her vibes are dope, and they're fucking genuine. So so don't be surprised <laughs> that you have such dopeness around you because you deserve it. Thank you so much. Yeah, dude. Really <laughs> Speaking of your boo, you you mentioned that you guys did a, a ghost tour recently or last year, or what was that about? Oh, my goodness, yes. Um. So he's from outside the D.C. area, and I had never been to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. You know, we're fucking, it was something like 52,000 people died in three days during the Civil War. Like, Gettysburg is one of the most haunted places in America. Shit. And um, last October, I came out to visit Drew for... I stayed out here for like almost a month because I was like, I didn't have shit going on. <laughs> so I, I was like, yeah, can I just take it? And I came out right before Halloween. So we actually went up to Gettysburg. Um, it was the night before Halloween that we did a ghost tour. And um, I've always been fascinated with the East Coast because I feel like it just looks creepy, you know? And like, you, you know it's old as shit and like, things have happened here, you know? So I've always been fascinated with like, the spooky East Coast vibes. And um, he was like, I'm going to take you to Gettysburg. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we get up there, we have an Airbnb, and um, we go, and during the day, we go and we look around and stuff. And um, I've always been fascinated with, with rocks. Like, you know, I've got a special rock that I collected from Malibu, and a special rock that I've got from the Salton Sea, and a special rock from... Brighton Beach in England. I like rocks. I don't know why. I just fucking like rocks. I like it. And my dumbass, though, is fucking cruising around Gettysburg on these battlefields, what were once battlefields, and I pick up some rocks. Like, I pick up a rock here, then we go somewhere else, and, like, I pick up another rock, and then we go somewhere else, and I'm like, ooh, I like that rock, and I pick up that rock. I end up leaving Gettysburg with, like, five rocks. It was a deep in that rock. So I was like, these are my special Gettysburg rocks, and I'll love them and cherish them forever. <laughs> okay. I I did not sleep well that first night when we were at the Airbnb. I, it just, I kind of had this weird feeling that I was, like, being watched, in a sense, you know? But I was also telling myself, hey, it's almost Halloween. You're in a new place. Things are spooky, you know? It's probably nothing. Just and um, I slept, I slept fine. But then, you know, so I could tell you about the ghost tour that we went on. But the ghost tour itself doesn't really have anything to do with my story. The ghost tour is just a really cool thing that I do recommend to people if they ever go to Gettysburg. Because there's a lot of fucking history there. And just weird shit happens. Like, you know, people hiding people and accidentally getting shot. Or like this one lady who was um, she, she had all these like, orphan slaves, which was really fucked up. You just learn about the history, you know. But um, the ghost tour itself does not really have anything to do with my story. My story has to do with these fucking rocks. And, um, and so I picked up those rocks. I had a bad sleep. I thought nothing of it. 
And we go back down to D.C. where Drew lives. And I got the rocks in this little, like, a Crown Royale bag. You know, everybody used to have a Crown Royale bag. Like, you put stuff in. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's money from your bar job. Sometimes it's socks. I've totally put socks in there when I'm on tour. Um, so I had this bag, and I put all the rocks in there. And I was, like, thinking nothing of it. Had them in my bag. Staying at Drew's. And um, that, that first night back, I go to sleep. And I, I experienced what, like, for the, well, actually not the first time in my life, but the first time in a really long time would be considered a night terror. Um, so it's weird because I'm, I'm laying in a bed, but the room, when I wake up, the room is flipped. So everything's opposite of where it is in real life. Like, the bed's on the other side, the desk is on the other side the closet's on the other side and everything just felt upside down and backwards in a way. Sounds like an and, alternate universe. Yeah. Or like, like the upside down or something. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. And, um, <laughs> and so I wake up and I can't sit up, but I can open my eyes and I see down by my feet and to the right where the closet is, there's a really tall, like Shadow Man standing there. He's just as tall as the ceiling. He's like heavy and like standing there, right? And then I look down to his right and there's this blonde woman and she's in a wheelchair and I just somehow knew that she was disabled. You know, it's like, it was like, you didn't know what these people's stories were, but it just felt bad. It felt bad, you know? And, um, you know, these people were just like there, kind of like staring at me. And I opened my mouth to scream like, Drew, Drew, like, help, you know? But no sound would come out of my mouth. I couldn't make a fucking peek. Nothing would come out. And I'm just like trying to just, my, I'm frozen, I'm frozen stiff. And I'm trying, trying to like wake him up. I wake, I finally wake up and I am screaming. I'm screaming Drew and I'm, I'm hitting him. You know, this boy sleeps like rock. So, um, also he's never seen a ghost and it's just, I tell him my stories and he's like, okay, <laughs> he's like, back to sleep, you know, but I was like, fuck. And I sat up and I was like really upset, you know, because you don't, you don't experience stuff like that very often. And, um, you know, he and I, we were gearing up to move into a new apartment in L.A. Like, um, at the end of my trip, I was going to go see some family in Nevada and then go down to L.A. and move into our new apartment. And he was going to fly out, like, two weeks later and meet me. Um, so, you know, I was like, well, maybe I'm just, I'm, I've got anxiety. Cause it's a really big move. I'm moving with him for the first time. You know, I'm in a different place my time zone thing, it's all fucked up, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's why, right? And so then the next night, you go to sleep, and it happens again. But this time, I sit up, and there are, like, little demons at the bottom of the bed, and they're holding my feet down, okay? And they're holding my feet down, and they're grinning right at me. And again, I can't make a sound, you know? I can't say fucking anything, but I'm trying, trying to scream. And my body starts, um, like, laying down and sitting up, laying down, sitting up, like, back and forth, like, feverishly, like, laying down, sitting up, laying down, sitting up. 
And I started making a sign of the cross with my fingers. I said, demons, I said, the devil can't get me. The devil can't get me. This is what I'm saying, but it's like, I'm saying it. Like, I'm there. Like, everything is like, really, this is really fucking happening. You know, I knew it. I was so scared. The devil can't get me. The devil can't hurt me. But I'm like, laying back down and sitting up. And, like, and it felt like they're like, possessed fucking demonic creepy shit and these demons are just holding my feet down and laughing at me like everything I'm doing is not going to fucking work you know oh my and um, I wake oh god dude this was like the gnarliest two months of my life <laughs> oh my goodness um, two months that's such a long time dude uh, I'm gonna wrap it up but when I do you'll be like oh you dumb bitch <laughs> and um and so i wake up and i'm fucking crying you know and i'm like trying to explain to drew what just happened but it's like you know unless you've experienced any sort of nightmare yourself it's like it's hard to believe that you could even but you know that it really fucking happened right like i could feel like this dark fucking energy and it was bad and um the next day like i went out and i fucking bought a pack of cigarettes and i took the longest walk of my life and i was like oh my god i think like i started googling and researching like can demons attach themselves to people you know um what's an incubus what's a succubus like i was really like i was like obsessed with finding out what was going on with me because it was so fucking vivid and so real you know I was afraid to go to sleep that next night and um, um, I had like it, it gets like my timeline just of I don't know you know how many nights it was that I went without you know one until the next one but I did have another one not long it would be like three days or something you know but um I started having nightmares about the apartment that I hadn't moved into yet. And not only had I not moved into it yet, but I'd never been inside of it. So I didn't actually know what it looked like aside from the couple of pictures I saw on Zillow. Um, What I think happened was that these spirits were feeding on my anxiety. So um, the, the apartment that Drew and I got was built in 1916. And when we first got approved for it, you know, I love like old classic apartments, like with a lot of character. And I really wanted something like that that didn't feel like a hamster box, you know. And um, But then it kind of crept into me because I am, uh, I've always considered myself like super fucking, I guess it's like an empath kind of thing or, you know, spiritually fucking awake to this because I've had other things happen in my life and there's like, I've got a sense for it too, you know? And I was a little anxious to move into an apartment that was built in fucking 1916 because that's a lot of years for energy to accumulate in a spot, you know? Um, but they thought, well, it's so cute. I was like, we're doing it. Um, but I had a, I, I had another one where, so um, this next time, like, uh, I'm, I'm not in, Drew's house and Drew's bed, but I'm at my new house, even though I hadn't been there yet. I'm at the new house. And instead of me participating in this dream, it was like a different kind of 
nightmare terror thing where I was witnessing somebody else's experience. And at this, um, it was like, it was like the 1930s or the 1940s. I remember the man that I saw, he looked like one of those old timey detectives from like a film noir movie, you know? And I was sitting in a corner and I was just watching him. There was this detective looking guy and his little daughter, you know, and um, she was just small with blonde hair. And he was explaining to her that he was going to be right back, but he had to go in and take care of like the bad thing. And I, I knew it without him explaining what it was, but, um, at this apartment, there was like one of those old school wall heaters. So like, you got the wall, and then you got the heater grill on one side, and the heater grill on the other side of the wall. Does that make sense? Okay, I could see it. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so in this nightmare, he's telling the little girl, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there." And where the heater was was actually a portal to hell, and it was like a hole, you know, just this black hole. And it was this portal to hell. And he was explaining that he had to go and take care of it, that he was going to be right back and that it was all going to be over. And, um, so he, he jumps in and he goes down there to do whatever the fuck he's going to do. And the second he goes through the hole, this woman appears from like the back closet in the living room. And again, I've never been inside the apartment. But once we moved in there, like, everything was where it was in my dream. Like, everything. And she comes out of this fucking back closet, and she's big. She's, like, a really overweight, kind of sweaty, like, um, she just looks like a mean, like, um, just, like, a bad, bad lady. She's got these big, sweaty tits, you know? (laughs) And sweaty, curly hair. And she just sort of wear like almost like a little, like a maid kind of apron. And, um, like, she she starts doing this dance. And she lifts her arms up in the air. And she's, like, spinning around and she's grinning. And all of a sudden she multiplies. And there are, like, fucking 12 of her. Like, oh all the same exact thing. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And she's doing this dance and she's spinning and she's smiling. And then she just lunges for the little girl, swoops her up, and the little girl's gone. My boyfriend's making fun of me right now. <laughs> He's making fun with me. <laughs> it sounds like the... <laughs> He's acting the part of the little girl. He just wanted to let you guys know. You're going to have to film him and send it to us so we can... See what he's doing. <laughs> they they're asking for video proof. <laughs> Lucky I'm gonna get that though. Uh, <laughs> Are you sure he's not spinning spinning in circles? <laughs> he better not do that. Would be too scary. Maybe she was yeah. just waiting for someone to make it rain. Maybe. Maybe it's just like 1940s and there's no money. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened after that? Well, so she she snags a little girl, grabs her, and then just all twelve just. <laughs> back in the closet disappear oh my god i'm just still just watching this you know like i'm just watching it happen and then man comes back from the hole because he like tried to fucking clear up the demons that were down there and close the fucking hole and his little girl was gone 
and he was distraught. And he was looking all over and all over and all over and all over. And he calls his buddy. And his buddy friend comes over. Same little, like, you know, looks like a little fucking 1946 dude, little hat, little mustache, ultra bang. And um, he's consoling his friend and just saying, I just, I don't know where she could have gone. You know, maybe she would have gone with her mother, but her mother's so far away. And then, like, the whole thing just kind of, like, fades away. And, like, I woke up and I was just like, what the fuck is that? Like, what, what the fuck is that? Why would I get such a detailed story, you know? That, like, how could my brain have just made that random shit up? And usually I am the star of my dreams. So I don't appreciate the fact that I'm <laughs> being the star of my dreams because, hello. Um, but it didn't feel like a dream, no you know? It's, thank you. Exactly. Um, you know, it didn't feel like a dream. It felt like I was just there watching it. It felt really fucking, like, psychic. Like, like um, time-traveled almost? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was some weird shit going on. You know, at this point I was just obsessed with Googling demons and stuff. And I know that there are, there are there are more dreams than I had. I think I've got one written in my phone. Um, let me see if I can find it really quick. Oh, yeah. <sighs> okay, here we go. <clears throat> I do have one written down. So... Here's uh, I was you know pretty good about writing them down, but I I deleted some of them because they were honestly so scary and I didn't like having them in my phone. Um, so I was in the new house, except it was a church. Same kind of setup, except the living room was huge and it was an old church. Um, uh, it was big empty room where there used to be pews and there was a lot of light shining in. I was in the bedroom trying to sleep, but there were two other people. I remember this now. There were two other people in bed with me laying with their feet near my head um, and their heads were at the bottom. Um, it felt like Drew was, like I could feel Drew next to me, but he wasn't awake and he couldn't do anything useful. Um, so then there was this demon who, who was this girl and she was sitting up at the end of the bed and playing with my feet. Oh, my God. I fucking remember this. She was, like, tickling the bottom of my feet and, like, grinning at me. Like, grinning at me evil as fuck and tickling my motherfucking feet. And I said, stop. Just let me sleep. Just stop. And I knew that there was a cross above the bed. And since we were at a church. I was extra upset because I felt like a demon shouldn't be able to be there at all. Um, I, again, I made the crosses with my hands. I've done that in a couple of dreams before where I'm like, I make little ghetto crosses with my hands and try to like, you know, tell them to, to go away. And I tried as hard as I could to get my mouth open to say the devil isn't allowed in my house. The devil isn't allowed in my house over and over again. But she just sat there laughing at me. Um, and then um, she comes back into the shoes and she comes back. Um, oh, she pulls me out of bed and takes me to the living room and takes one of my cigarettes and tells me the story of how her daughter died when she was really young. And now she comes back to steal people's children. Um, I was trying to do rituals to make her disappear. 
and asked what I could do to help, but she just laughed, saying it won't work. And she took me back and forth while laughing until this big black man, an angel with big wings, came and shot her with an arrow to make her disappear. And he told me he would be there to protect me, but that she cannot be stopped. And then later, I'm not there in the house anymore. Um, oh, this was, so I guess that was, uh, that was a, like, that all kind of happened leading up to the guy with the, um, with the daughter. But there are details that I forgot about, like all that, all the house plants and the daughter playing on the couch. And then, um, fucking stupid fucking lady playing with my feet. <laughs> like, you know, just, just really like the fucking, the scariest shit that I've ever experienced. And by this point, I did not want to move into that apartment because I didn't know what was going to be waiting for me when we got there. Like I was convinced that it, I was being warned that the apartment was somehow evil and that I shouldn't go there. You know, like that's what I was afraid of was that there were some fucking ancient ass demons there. and trying to warn me like, don't go there, bitch. We haunted. <laughs> but we signed a lease and we put the deposit down and it was going to happen, you know, one way or another. But my big thing was that I was moving to that apartment alone before Drew even came out from the East Coast. So, like, imagine how fucking scared I was knowing I was going to spend the first few nights there by myself, you know? Dude. <laughs> no. I didn't want to go. And I'm, I'm all about sage sage and candles and you know I was raised in a Christian household I'm just spiritual at this point but I've got my grandma's bible from like 1945 you know and I fucking took my grandma's bible out I just opened to a red page I was like I'm just saying things now because you gotta get out of here so when I when I did finally move in I got the biggest bottle of wine I could find I got all the sage that I could find and I fucking went around that house in circles, smudging every single inch of the house while drinking wine. Because my plan was to black out so I couldn't have any nightmares. And it couldn't scare me, you know. And um, I did that, and it worked. Uh, I did that multiple nights in a row because I was so fucking afraid of what might get me. And I don't want to sleep alone in a fucking old-ass house by myself like Nobody wants to do that. And it's new. The neighborhood was new, you know? Um, so those first few nights were really rough. But finally, Drew came out. And I kept myself fucking wind up enough every single fucking night to where, like, nothing happened, you know? Um, and as I usually do with any of my new apartments, I went around. Once, like, Drew got there and I was, like, you know, getting more settled in, I went around and I took some of my special rocks, like my love rock from Malibu, and my salted sea rock, and my fucking, um, you know, all my little rocks. And I placed them in different parts of the house. Because I was trying to bring good energy into my house. That was my plan. Put my special rocks in different corners of the house, in different little hiding places. And I was going to fill the space with good energy. Well, that includes my Gettysburg rock, which I hadn't thought about too much as far as maybe what it meant that I took those. But I had a few more nightmares, and it really, like, I can't recall all of them because, you know, you don't want to remember 
really. But there were nights where I would wake up and I was bawling and I'd jump out of bed with my grandma's Bible, walking around the house, turning on every single light and saying, you are not allowed to be here. Fuck God says, get the fuck out. Like, because what else are you going to do? Yes, exactly. Like, this is my fucking house. This is God's house. You need to get the fuck out of here. Like, you know, I slept with a cross in my hand under the fucking pillow, like every single night. Like, I was afraid. And um, the last nightmare that I remember, which is kind of when it all comes to a head, is we're finally in the new house. We've been there for like about a month. This must have been like um, January, I guess, of this year. And ah, so the house was like old, right? And instead of like an overhead light in our bedroom, it had like this old timey little sconce on the wall next to the, the bedroom door. So the sconce was like, you know, about six feet up, like my boyfriend's height. And I always slept on the inside of the bed, pushed up against the wall because I felt like that's where I would be protected, you know? And there's one night I wake up and I'm absolutely paralyzed with fear. I'm just paralyzed completely. Okay, and this is the fucking worst, you guys. This is the fucking worst. I wake up and I see in the corner of the room where the bedroom door is about as tall, if not a little bit taller than that sconce, is a cloaked figure. And he's cloaked in black, hood over his head, long black fucking cloak with burning, glowing red eyes. Like, the last fucking thing you ever want to see, you know? And I'm laying there, and I see uh, it in the corner. Not literally, right? (laughs) Oh, literally. Yeah. Like, literally. Like, I, I was not, I couldn't have been sleeping. I couldn't have been sleeping. This was, this was real. Like, this was fucking real. It was in the middle of sleep, but I fucking know what I fucking saw. And it's in the corner of the room, and it starts getting closer. And it's just moving so slowly, and it's getting closer and closer and closer and closer to bed. And I'm trying my hardest to scream and fucking wake the fuck up or get the fuck out or whatever it is that's going on. And I could just feel it as he was getting closer. It was getting heavier and fucking darker. And he was coming right towards me. And I must have been screaming my fucking brains out. And then all of a sudden, it was like, awake. It was over. Whatever. And I fucking, I could not go back to sleep that night. I bawled so hard. I didn't know what to do. I just went in the living room. I lit a bunch of candles and like wrapped myself up in blankets and had all the lights on. Like, like that was the scariest fucking thing that I've ever seen. And the way it felt, how evil he felt, he was fucking evil as fuck. Like he wanted my soul is how it felt. And um, I was telling Drew, I was like, dude, I don't know if I can live here anymore. Like we need to seriously think about moving out because I can't, I can't live like this. Like I can't sleep. I'm afraid to go to sleep every night. There's like something fucking wrong here. And he was, he was like listening. Like, okay. Like if you really feel like it's that bad, like 
I'm not experiencing it. Like, I was the only one fucking experiencing it, you know? And then he goes, baby girl. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what did you do with those blocks in Gettysburg? And I was like, oh, I just kind of like put them all around the house. And he's like, did you ever think that maybe the rocks have like bad energy to them? And I was like, huh, this is the simplest fucking thing. And no, but yeah, now that you say it, I did take rocks from a sacred burial ground where like thousands and thousands and thousands of people suffered and died. Good idea. And so like I went around the house grabbing all of the fucking rocks from all their little secret hiding places. And I put them everywhere. And I finally found all of them. And um, we live like right behind a park. And there's like a, there's a big uh, brick fence. So I chucked those rocks as far as I could. And you guys, I have not had a nightmare since. Wow. Whoa. Oh my God. I got the chills like so many times, especially throughout the last you know, portion of your story with when you saw, you know, that thing in a cloak. And um, just to clarify, so uh, when I was saying literally, because you said, oh, that is not the last thing you want to see. And I was like, well, not literally. Like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I know literally that is not the thing you want to see. Yeah, I'm trying to see something else after this, too. Um, But wow, what, man, like I said, I got so many chills throughout the whole story. And, um, you know, I do have a question. I know you mentioned yeah. that you had some, some, well, you said you had demons holding your feet down. Um, yeah, I felt it. How did they look? Like, they look kind of like, like gremlin little fuckers. No, they weren't shadows. They were, they were like kind of always like the shadow thing, like lurking, you know, like in these things, like there was kind of always like this kind of shadow present. And so I think, I think what I did is I fucking brought those demons all the way on a plane with me from fucking Gettysburg all the fuck way back to LA and they were pissed that I took them from their resting place you know and whatever it was that was in those rocks was not happy with me fucking moving them and um, those gremlin guys yeah holding my feet down um, there was one that looked like a girl at one point like a really pretty but like crazy looking blonde girl with like big eyes but the one who like stands out to me the most, he looked like a little gremlin fucker. The kind of, I'm, and at this point, I've never seen Lord of the Rings, although I do know what Gollum looks like. I would use that to describe kind of like the skinniness of the arms, you know, but like a bigger head. But this head was pointed at the chin, and he had this big, evil, fucking grin, mm-hmm. and his eyes were like just evil and glowing and laughing at me and laughing at me as I told them to leave me the fuck alone and to let me sleep and to get away from me. I'm trying to use the power of Christ. Like all the things my mom taught me, you know, like get these fucking demons out of my fucking house, you know, and I called my mom. I had my mom on the phone with me saying prayers with me. I called my best friend's mom who is like super active in the church and like she's been, you know, just a close, you know, surrogate mother to me my whole life you know she was saying prayers with me over the phone on the speakerphone trying to cast these demons away you know I did every fucking thing that I knew how to do to make something like that leave me alone and they they wouldn't and all it took was throwing 
the rocks over a fucking fence. Yeah, I hope some like bum at the park isn't like you haunted now. But seriously, (laughs) right? I thought you were gonna like go bury them or something. You fucking chucked them over the fence. (laughs) Dude, I had I had to just get them out of my hands like as quickly as possible. Dude, that's fucking crazy. I do believe that energy travels in in material things like that. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. especially if you fucking took them from the burial grounds. That's nuts. Did yeah, you? and that's how we get to that dumb bitch. Like, what? <laughs> like, who the fuck picks a bunch of sacred ass rocks? But I wasn't thinking. I was just like excited. Oh, I'm at this place. Yeah. It's like historical. You know, I'm going to take a little rock. A little fucking rock. They were, you know, they weren't giant rocks. Yeah, they were literally trapped in your home. The, these demons, these, you know, that's that's nuts. For a second there, I was, I was hope. well, I'm glad that, you know, all it took is for you for you to toss them, you know, as far as you could away from your house. But I was like, oh man, hopefully that doesn't backfire where it's like, Hey, you may be getting rid of them from your house, but like, you know, what if you had to take them back to the actual site for everything to be okay? Oh, shit. Right. That's like a movie I know. right there. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that like a Brady Bunch episode? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I think they're in Hawaii and they take like this like, like statue and then like all the sad shit starts happening. <laughs> and they have to take it all the way back. Yeah, it was like back to the volcano. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Holy but shit. You guys, it was it was unreal. Like I thought I was going fucking crazy. Like, you know, and I'm telling all my friends, like, you guys, like I'm being haunted, like, for real, yo. Like for real. And you you feel fucking nuts because these these images are so vivid and I know I wasn't asleep. I know I experienced and I saw all of those things. It was like whatever fucking weird world is between sleep and like awake and like there's some fucking trippy like portals that open, you know, wherever that place is, that's where they were fucking taking me like all the time. And I couldn't get Drew to wake up because I couldn't make a sound. I really couldn't use my voice at all. And uh, I just felt super helpless. And I cannot believe I didn't think it was the rocks that whole time. Um, I think I was just so like caught up in what was actually happening. Like, like it just it didn't it didn't occur to me, you know. Now, do you still collect rocks everywhere you go? Or did, <laughs> or did you learn your lesson? <laughs> <laughs> um, my bestie actually, she always makes fun of me. She's like, "Don't go fucking collecting rocks or anything." But um. <laughs> I don't think all rocks are bad, <laughs> but you never think, know. But you never know where where you're picking them up from. You could think it's a no, beautiful totally. park, but years and years and years ago, it could have been fucking a crazy burial ground, like you did. Yeah, <laughs> maybe just stick or, to the gift shops. <laughs> totally right. Yeah, I'll go with your uh, twenty four dollar candle. Thank yeah, you. There you go. That smells like, that smells like yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely, I don't. I don't pick up rocks like I used to um they're like I I just don't want to fuck with anything like that you know and but that's just that's the moral of the story man don't fucking fuck with sacred places even if you think it's just such a tiny thing you know those places with history like that like they deserve to be honored and I did a bad by fucking with their shit and I should have known better but I've definitely learned my lesson. 
Yeah, and you didn't mean to. So if anything, I'm kind of a little a little sad about the whole thing. I'm like, oh, you're just, you know, collecting, having a good time. And it's such an innocent hobby, yeah. collecting rocks, and you got punished, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I know. And then, you know, those poor spirits, like, obviously, they're not rested, you know? And they're, they're like, trapped. Like, that. There, there was so much sadness and death that occurred and has all over the world, but you know, these places where it's like concentrated like that, you know, and a lot of these people didn't get like proper burials and they never saw their family again. And, you know, there's just a lot of sadness to it. Um, a lot of I would be pissed too. Yeah. I'm really happy you woke <laughs> up during that cloaked um, figure encounter. Cause who knows it was getting closer and closer, you know, like, I think you woke up at the perfect time or maybe that was just the last straw for these, you know, these spirits and they, yeah. and, it, and it worked, you know, I'm, I'm glad Drew thought of the rocks cause it could have yeah, lasted totally. a lot longer. A little late there, homie, like, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And, um, I mean, it was just a, a trip to witness it, you know, and to just feel that getting closer and closer and just the evil that was, surrounding it it it's like it's poor movie shit you know and that's why i wrote down some of my dreams because i was i was trying to tell my friend who makes horror movies i'm like yo i got a story for you <laughs> like, yeah dude you can even use it for you know? like writing material for for songs you know yeah i i get trippy dreams trippy dreams have always been a part of my life but nothing like that where it's like the terror that like the paralyzation like you're paralyzed. You cannot move, and you have to. You are you are stuck here, experiencing this, and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. Wow. Um, have you ever astral projected? You know, not that I know. I have. You know, like how would you know? You know, unless you really knew. I have. I have really crazy dreams, hmm. and. Um, I guess I would. It would have to be something where, like, I was like, "Oh, absolutely, that's what that was." But I don't know. Have you guys? No, I haven't. Um, I always think about Insidious, though. Whenever, oh um, shit! Whenever I think about astral sure. projection, but no. Um, my aunt actually had a crazy story about uh, astral projecting while doing yoga. Um, yeah, she said she was in a class. The teacher was like, you know, it was a new teacher, and I guess her instructor at the time wasn't in so she had to switch up her class right so she's doing mm -hmm. you know yoga with this new instructor and she was like it was the craziest shit ever like I freaked the fuck out because <laughs> she said that she was relaxing and following the you know the instructions and that all of a sudden the instructor tells her okay now I want you to step out of your body and so mm -hmm. I guess she did and she realized it because she said that she was standing right over her body but she can see herself just with her eyes closed on the floor <laughs> wow yeah so when she realized that's so it, cool yeah i was like oh my god i can't believe you you did that i've been trying to do that for i don't know how long and mm -hmm. you were able to do it so easily she's like no it was the scariest thing i've ever experienced i like it felt like once i realized it i shot back into my body and i got wow. my shit and i left so i was like oh shit yeah. <laughs> that's a good instructor that's what i was saying yeah shit. totally that's so intense too it's like am i dead <laughs> right did i what, die what, what, yeah like oh this isn't normal i shouldn't be able to see this yeah especially because she didn't really know about it too so i can see for someone mm -hmm. you know 
But then at the same time, I'm thinking about it. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. I've actually tried to do this and I've never been able to. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a, maybe. as a warning. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm not mm-hmm. yeah. you know, mentally ready for that. So. Yeah, maybe that's why it did happen for her. You know, she she wasn't trying, but she was just kind of following a command. True. You know, like just you know, just just following the command, not giving it too much thought. Okay, I'm stepping out now. You know, yeah. like without trying to force it. But that's really fucking interesting. See, that's why I don't do yoga. You never, <laughs> and because I'm impatient. I feel like you, it takes a lot of patience to do that shit. But I've always wanted to try. Mm -hmm. oh man it's fun i love yoga i I try to do yoga as much as i can this has been a crazy summer so i haven't had like a routine that's been good but i'm trying to get back into it there's an awesome channel on youtube it's free it's called yoga with adrian and this chick is hilarious and just super down to earth and they're like they're just they're not like super complicated there's a video for everything you want to do and um she just she's really good at explaining things and there's just a flow to it um so i pretty much only just watch her because i'm not about to be paying for yoga but i will do hella free videos on YouTube. yeah exactly gotta love youtube you can mm-hmm. literally learn anything on there so <laughs> mm-hmm Oh, are you um oh, this is fun yeah this was a lot of fun and i was just gonna say safe travels back when you guys come back to la thank you yeah thank dude. You, thank you thank you so much for making the time to chat with us it's been it's been a good time you got you gave us the fucking chills that's for sure for oh good sure. good so <laughs> this is fun because you know i haven't you know, i've shared this story with my closest friends and stuff but I love what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome that you started Scary Encounters, and I'm excited to hear all kinds of stories. Right. Thank you so much for being a part of it. We, yeah. we fucking love you. We admire you. We're really proud of you, and we're super Thank stoked you. to see what you have in <laughs> store for us. Susie Moon, Ellie Machina, fucking everything. We're mm-hmm. super stoked. And hello to Drew. Thank you for okay. the advice with Aww. the rocks. <laughs> right. Yeah. I promise on this return to LA, I will not be bringing any rocks in my bag. Sweet. Good choice. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope I get to see you guys soon. Yeah, hopefully, dude. We still need to have that dinner date. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, I'll bring over one of my cheese platters or something. Yeah. (laughs) Cheese platter. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. For sure, dude. I'd love that. Okay, right on. Well, this was a blast. We want to thank you for tuning in to our recent Scary Encounter with Hazy Chaos. We hope you enjoyed it. If you are not an artist or musician but would like to share a scary encounter you've experienced, please contact us via email at hazy.chaos at yahoo.com for a chance to be featured on one of our close-to-home episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.